Okay, we're um, picking up what uh, we didn't end up getting to cover last week. Uh, I didn't bring it. There should be some from last week. Yeah, I got I put I what, what was there, but I just was wondering if I was just hoping that would be enough. Uh, okay, well, all right, we'll look at it. So um, we talked about um, the idea of substitution, God's substitution for sin. And um, uh, the, the part of that that we did not get to is the part that makes it uncomfortable for so many people. Uh, and that is the wrath of God. Uh, that, that concept is, is, or at least one of, and probably the main thing that turns people away from that, uh, from that element of what we call atonement. So we want to go through, and I want to do it justice by um, looking at a number of scriptures. Not, not, not a ton. I think I have five scriptures just to, to illustrate this, both from Old and New Testaments. But, uh, so I want to begin looking, <clears throat> and I've just kind of categorized them. Uh, Travis, do you want to read Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 20? Now we're not, I'm not going to make the case that, that God... Uh, I think the, the scriptures will make the case itself that uh, that wrath of God exists. We want to look at the categorizations of it. So, Jeremiah 7 and verse 20. Okay. Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My anger and my wrath will be poured out in this place, on man and beast, on the trees of the field and on the crops of your land, and it will burn and not be quenched. Okay. Um, so... so I want you to think about this verse and what it entails. Um, how extensive is God's wrath? Where is he directed? He's directing this particular piece of anger on everything. Mm-hmm. The fruit of the ground to the beast. Yeah, <laughs> even animals. Like I, I was just grazing on the grass. Why am I involved in this? I guess the thing, I, 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 this could be hyperbole, you know, uh, but, um, you know, th- previous to this, there were, there were people who took this kind of thing seriously, you know, and, and they're like... Uh, well, when they were conquering the promised land, they killed people and beasts. Yeah, yeah. You know, Yeah. 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 In the Bible, I think at the end of Jonah points out that because of their repentance, they saved animals. Like that's like the last sentence in the book of Jonah. I think it's like that because of Nineveh's repentance, they saved so many souls and 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 animals. It's like I, I think that's I mean, that's just off the top of my head, so it might not be in there. That could be a figment of my imagination, but I think it, there's that reference. It might be somewhere else, but... There's something like that with the Amalekites with Saul or something like that, where they were worried supposed to wipe everything out, and he's like, what are these animals I hear? Yeah, right, right. They're going to save those for the sacrifice. But um, this, this verse 20, I, I've been thinking about this verse, um, and, um, 
you know, and, and to get into Jeremiah, we've been doing Jeremiah on Wednesday nights, and, and that some of these verses here are linked to, um, there's a similar reference a little bit later uh, in, in Jeremiah. It's linked to the evil of Manasseh um, and, and how awful things were at his time. And he makes this statement a number of times that he says, I'm not going to quench my anger. Now, they went into Babylon for 70 years. So maybe this is hyperbole, and it's just forever is a reference to 70 years. Or maybe it's literal. And we, we think of Jewish people today and, 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 and how awful they seem to be treated everywhere in the world. Right? Um, they do. They seem to be the only people that are persecuted no matter where they are. Like in their own land, they're persecuted. In their own nation, um, they are persecuted, which is strange. Uh, they, they've, you know, you can just go through the nations, beginning from from Babylon and go forward, and, and it's like you can make a pretty good case that this is very literal. That God is saying, you know, He said earlier, "I'm not going to wipe them out because of David." I'm not going to let them be, and that's true too. No matter how much they've been persecuted, they've they've always retained their identity. They've come back, you know, stronger. You know, it's like, hey, all of us nations are going to gang up on you. Six days later, they have more land than they've ever had before. You know, so so God protects them in a way, but yet at the same time, He's like, but I am going to let you be persecuted. You're not going to go out of existence, but you are going to be persecuted. And it, like that, that makes me wonder exactly how bad things were at the time of Manasseh that, that God has said this, if that's what this means. If it's not, it could be hyperbole, like I said. Um, but it is, certainly shows that God has anger. Uh, Mark, you want to read Luke chapter 3, verse 7. We'll jump to the New Testament. Luke chapter 3, verse 7. Yep. So he said to the crowds who came out to be baptized by him, You offsprings of vipers, who secretly warned you to flee from the coming wrath. Okay, so 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 here uh, John the Baptist is talking, listen, and, and he's got a prophetic message. There is a wrath, it is coming, and uh, who, who told you about it? Because um, uh, they're coming out to him, he's, he's making a sarcastic jest, like, you're coming out to me to be baptized? Well, that, that's, uh, that's interesting, because, you know, <laughs> you're the one who are about to get punished. Uh, so, uh, so God does direct his wrath, and specifically here, we see his wrath directed at people. And I wanted to, to make that connection, that, uh, that God 
Uh, and that's the one that we don't like. Well, certainly God wouldn't do not nice things to people who he loves. He loves us, right? And, and that's that, that idea that, um, uh, shoot, what was the name of that doctrine? It's called mor- moral influence um, that Peter Abelard came up with, that, that, that the crucifixion is just there to try to motivate us to sh- see how loving God is. He would send that. That's that's the extent of what the death does. It doesn't do anything other than motivate us to want to love God back. Well, it should do that, but that's not its primary function. Its primary function is to replace uh, and redirect God's wrath, uh, as it is here at man. I uh, want to turn to Romans. Chapter 1, verse 18. Mike, uh, you want to read that? Romans 1, verse 18. And the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Okay, so where is wrath directed here? Okay. Okay, so, so it's directed against the sin, right? Remember, we, we said that about the, the object of the cross is sin. That, that's what the purpose of the cross is for. It is not to show love. It does show love, but that's not the purpose of it. That's not, that's not its primary purpose is directed at sin. And what this kind of tells me is that those, those references that we read, the first one uh, with Jeremiah and Luke, Remember, I'm not the purpose of the cross. Sin is the purpose of the cross. I get the benefits of the cross. And, and in a reverse way, when, when I'm not going to be included, I'm not going to include myself in the, the good side of that message, I get the brunt of that in terms of God's wrath. So in both cases, I'm not really the prime target. Uh, I, am, I receive the benefits or the the consequences i am a in terms of wrath i am collateral damage what god can't stand is sin by my connection to it i will get punished i will get the the i will get the wrath that's not what he wants god doesn't hate me just like animals died god didn't hate the animals they're just kind of collateral damage in the whole thing that's going on God hates the sin, and however, whatever degree you're touched by things that pertain to sin, you're gonna get you're gonna get burned by that. So, so it's not that uh, God, and and I think maybe because people don't understand that the idea of atonement and substitution and all that that's where it becomes offensive because they don't understand what God is doing and and where God's aiming stuff at, but but. If God hates sin and he has to direct his wrath at sin and I'm touching it, oh, <laughs> I, I, God's not going to separate that out. Yeah. You go all the way back to the time of Noah, that, yeah, there were two animals, every kind that went on the ark, but what about all the other animals mm-hmm. that didn't get on there? Like, that's yeah. a consequence of all the sin in the world. Right. That's, that's, a, that's a really good point. Um, those other animals didn't do anything wrong. They just... They're in the story. That's that's. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm I'm wiping stuff out. I can't. I can't wipe out sinful man and leave 
billions and billions of species somehow alive. You know, like, like if I'm flooding the earth, there's other things that are going to get destroyed along with it. It's just part of the story, and it's an, a sad part of the story. Well, it's also sad that humans didn't want to repent. That's, that's the saddest part of the story. Uh, it's not God's, it, that's not God's fault that those animals died. It's humans' fault. That those animals died. And you want to want to sugarcoat the whole thing about God's wrath and all that. It's like they completely ignore that part of the Bible about the flood in Genesis. That, <coughs> like that was all mankind being wiped out right there. How is that not wrathful? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Certainly. Um, and so I want to talk about go back to the Old Testament. Connie, do you want to read Ezekiel? I'll give you some time for that. Ezekiel sixteen forty two. The, the final element of this is one that, that really people find offensive. Uh, Ezekiel, it is chapter 16. And verse 42. Then my wrath against you will subside, and my jealous anger will turn away from you. I will be calm and no longer angry. Okay, so so uh, he's making a, a promise here. They they I, I apparently didn't listen to the to the message. Um, it's like he's he's always made these promises. He's like, if you do this, I will I will stop my wrath. Uh, and and they just refuse to listen to the warning. But the idea is, uh, there is a satisfaction of God's wrath. Uh, and, and, and that's the point of it. it and, and people don't want to see this side of satisfying God's anger, that, that there has to be a satisfaction. It's like um, if you think of a, a, a tornado or something like that, those, those are conditions that exist right, in, in, in weather. And they don't stop until whatever condition exists in physics brings everything back into equilibrium and it and things proceed as normal right whatever the temperature differences and pressure differences and all that stuff that i have no idea what i'm talking about right what those just naturally will subside as soon as things it's, it's like this is why it's violent something got out of balance really quick likely and it's going to be a violent return to normal. And, and, and returns to normal typically are violent. You, you can look at this in any... any. When, when things get way out of whack in a society, look at history. The return to normal is almost always violent. Right? It's quick and violent. And then there's equilibrium for a while until things get out of whack again. And that, that's, just, that's just how nature works. Humans, nature, animal nature, weather nature. Um, so, God says, God's no, no different. This is all crazy, and I'm going to restore it to equilibrium. So, his anger has to be satisfied. Romans chapter 5. Kat, do you want to read Romans chapter 5, verse 9?
therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we, shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Okay. So, what's his blood accomplishing? What is it doing? What's that? Okay. It's a what? Cleansing. Cleansing? Okay, we're justified by his blood. What else is in there? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, that, that's a good picture. Well, what happened in the Passover? Angel of death coming through. Oh, <laughs> something's got to be satisfied, doesn't it? That angel was going to take, unless, uh, uh, unless you showed the sign that satisfied the requirement. We always use that reference. Satisfied? Have you satisfied the requirements? Right. That that's that is a type of satisfaction. I think a lot of people, one of the things probably, what, 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 are the, what do you think of when you think of the word satisfied? Huh? Oh, okay, yeah. I'm satisfied, I'm full, yeah. Content. Content, okay. Conditions have been met. So you can look at this from a lot of different angles. And I think one of the angles that people look at is the, you know, like whether you're looking at food or contentment of some sort, we, we look at the emotional aspect of it. I'm happy because I'm satisfied. I'm satisfied. And um, funny story. We've got time for it. Uh, we went over to Ukraine and uh, we were guests at someone's home and they brought us food and 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 i was like oh you know i'm trying to explain that i'm full I'm like you know just well over i they kept on bringing food out to us i'm like i'm full this is the sign for i'm hungry oh, no. <laughs> like, like i'm like i'm full uh, over there you do this that's that's like I've, I've got food up to here i can't swallow anymore so that's how they do it like no 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 that's enough so i'm doing this and they're, they're bringing out food and more food i'm eating plate after plate right and i'm like and the other one is that that uh, you're not supposed to when you're full you leave one thing on your plate and that tells them that you're you're done i'm i'm raised eat the whole you eat your plate right so so I'm finishing off the plates, and they just like keep on bringing food. She's going, she's going into her refrigerator, and she's making food that wasn't pre-prepared for this. In, in it, and they're very proper, and you know everything is very proper. So, you know, I'm sending them signal that I'm not satisfied yet, right? And, and I am. I was bursting trying to find places to put this food, and I'm like, oh. So, so finally they like see the look on my face and I think, uh, and then we've sorted it out. I'm like, oh my goodness, I've been over here for like four years and I've been offending every, cause like that's offensive, isn't it? Because like they don't have a ton of money and they're feeding their guests and they do what they, I'm like, oh my goodness, I wonder how many people I've offended over these four years for, over a cultural difference. But uh, it was kind of funny. They were friends, so they understood. Uh, but, but the idea here that, that we want to be, Content doesn't have to do with the happiness. 
And that I think is is what you know, like like people just can't stand that that God's wrath has to be satisfied. Like, like God has to be satisfied. Like God has to be happy with people's death. No, that's not when we talk about God's satisfaction. It's not talking about his his emotional state, but it's about conditions being met. That has to be satisfied. The list has to be like this is the list. This is the things that have to be done. And one of those is that sin has to receive punishment now or later. And so God manipulated, if you want to bring in the love side of things, God manipulates his necessities. Right? Sin has to be punished. I am, and we all are, intrinsically connected to sin. Which means all of us, by necessity, will get that punishment. So God says, I'm going to have to manipulate the situation. This is God's genius. That he says, I'm going to send someone perfect to take all of that. I can show my love by doing that, yes. I can satisfy the requirements. So, so I satisfy the moral requirements, but... I'm also able to show mercy, which I, I can't, God's mercy cannot triumph over his, the Bible says, mercy triumphs over judgment. Yes, but it has to do so in a certain way. So God manipulates the situation so that he can have communion with us through atonement. And that's what it does. Christ has to satisfy the requirements because if he doesn't, then I will. And just reiterating something that you said last week, it wasn't to satisfy Satan's requirements. It was right. Own requirements. That's correct. Uh, that that's that's important. This is not this is not a transaction between God, and that's a really th- good thing to reemphasize. This is not a transaction between God and Satan. This is a transaction between God and God. This is their arrangement. Christ is in the garden, and he's saying, "Not my will." But thine be done. And he's talking to the Father. This is an arrangement that they have. So, uh, um, so I want to turn to, uh, we're probably going to be done here a little bit early, uh, unless I get into next week's class, which we can do. Ah, no, we, uh, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Famous last words. So, I want to, what's that? We don't want to get done early. You don't like to get done early. All right. Yeah, no? Well, don't want to get cheated. So Let, let's see. We'll, we'll see what we get. Um, so one other word that we're going to transition a little bit, and I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to coordinate some of these uh, classes because everything overlaps, right? So... Uh, as we talk about Christ's work, I'm trying. We're, we're still talking about Christ's death, and I want to look at words kind of that have to do with the work of Christ's death. Of course, we're going to look at Christ's resurrection and things that that does, and um, they're all connected. These are arbitrarily uh, categorized. So, the other word that I want to look at is the word redemption. Um, what is the word redemption? What does it mean? To buy back, okay. In what cases would you ever buy something back? 
<laughs> it's like we have a word in a language. It's like, what is this word there for? Why, why would you have this concept where you need this word? Why would you ever like, buy something back? Oh, okay. All right. You know, if maybe borrowed something, Old Testament talks about it, the axe, you know, it goes flying off. Okay. You have to buy them, redeem it by buying them another axe head. Or okay, sure. All right. So, uh, so it is a financial word, um, and let's so let's turn to Leviticus twenty-five. Uh, it has two applications primarily, possibly more that by extension, but, but two uh, primary uh, functions in, in their law. And it was, um, no, their law was a, a, a civil code to, to govern a nation of people. So, uh, Mark, do you want to read Leviticus 25 and read verse 25 through 28? And we could read the whole section. In fact, we could read like multiple chapters. Um, and you would you would see kind of a lot of the details of the function, but but this will be good enough for us to get an idea. Leviticus 25, 25 through 28. If, however, a man has no one to redeem it for him, but he himself prospers and acquires sufficient means to redeem it, he is to determine the value for the years since he sold it and refund the balance to the man to whom he sold it. He can then go back to his own property. But if he does not acquire the means to repay him, what he sold will remain in possession of the buyer until the year of Jubilee. It will be returned in the Jubilee, and then he can go back to his property. Okay, so, so the upshot of this is that it was a way of kind of governing and... and uh, monitoring debt. So, so uh, they didn't have, I mean, the Jubilee was the closest thing to bankruptcy, I guess. Like, all right, just we're going to cancel all the debts and you go back to life as normal. Uh, but uh, they, had, they had ways that they, like, okay, so I'm in debt. Now what? Uh, I've, I've borrowed something in a business proposition. Uh, I borrowed money to buy all my grain and we had no rain this year. Now I'm in debt, right? Because I didn't produce anything. Well, I owe the person whoever did that. So there were people in each tribe or clan or whatever that would be called, what would they would call it a near kinsman or a redeemer. Probably wealthy people. And they were qualified and selected. One of the things that they were qualified and selected to do was to redeem kinsmen. And I suppose you'd have to bring your case to him or whatever. But uh, if not, if, if he said, I, I can't do this, I don't have the money, whatever, then you were just going to kind of tough it out until seven years came, and that was the year of Jubilee. Uh, I think it was either seven or 70. There's, there's a, something that happened at seven, and there's something that happened at 70, and I can't remember which ones they were. But anyway, I think seven was the Jubilee. So... Um, they, um, so property was the first 
think of it like this. Think of it like a pawn shop. This is a situation in which you would buy something back. I've sold this stuff. And to get, I'm in hock. That's literally, I'm in hock. So you can go at some point and for an interest, and there was interest here, you buy that property back. So, uh, um, so that's the first one. And the second one, second function, there, again, there's probably more. I didn't read extensively throughout all of Genesis, Exodus, Phoenix, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Uh, but this is a, another well-known one. Uh, Numbers 35. And Guy, could you read Numbers 35? It's 9 through 12. Numbers 35. 9 through 12. Then the Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, When you cross the Jordan to Cana, select some towns to be your cities of refuge, to which a person who has killed someone accidentally may flee. They will be placed of refuge from the avenger so that anyone accused of murder may not die before they stand trial before the assembly. Okay, so uh, so the other purpose, and the word, by, by the way here, avenger, same word, redeemer. That is a weird translation, right? Avenger seems to be a harsh word. Redeemer seems to be a nice mercy kind of word. How did you end up translating? Well, it depends on what you're buying back, right? <laughs> He's buying back his brother's blood. His brother's blood was killed. And so these people who were the redeemers in the clan or the tribesmen were the ones who were officially appointed to carry out justice. Eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That was, that was law. And so what happened is there's a deficit. right? It, just the way a, a debt would be, God views blood as a deficit. You've taken life. Life is now on this planet out of balance. You've taken a life. It's it's something lacking. It's got to be it's got to be balanced. This is the guy to do it. He buys it back. He he evens the score. <laughs> and, and so they had. Now let's say it's an accident. You say, oh, it's an accident. Uh, in the eyes of everybody, we don't know that to be true. You could be lying. So if you, you'll get a court date and you'll get to prove your point at such point, then, then you would not be able, if it's considered an accident, you'll have to pay a monetary restitution of some sort, but it's an accident. Until that time, and only until that time, you can hide out in a city of refuge. You can't leave it. If you leave it, this guy can kill you. So, because uh, you look guilty. So you're running around hiding, trying to hide. So, um, so, so this person was the one to even and, and buy back his brother's blood in, in a weird sense. So, so this is used, the only other way this is used is then religiously in the Old Testament, God would tell people, listen, you have to redeem your firstborn, right? So you have to redeem them. So what that meant then, it's this same financial transaction. He says, your firstborn belongs to me. 
So you have to pay him, pay me <laughs> to get your firstborn back. Right? And, and, uh, and you're going to have to go through this process by which otherwise he belongs to me. I don't know what that would entail. Like, would if they didn't redeem him, would they just okay? He lives in the temple now, or I don't know what the what the what the thing would be. But uh, I don't think too many people tried to figure that out. <laughs> I think you'd like this. Is my my son, I want him back. I'm gonna pay whatever it is. That's what I would do. So, and that so it has the idea of ransom. Right? We think of ransom as kidnapping, but that's not the original concept of ransom. The original concept of ransom is, is a price that's set for you to purchase something back under legal means, not illegal means, like, like with kidnapping. But we only use that in an in a illegal sense today, but it didn't have that original connotation. So uh, redemption then uh, has to do with, with this uh, financial arrangement. And that's what Christ's death is called, a redemption, to purchase us back. We talked about how uh, you, you mentioned it, that it's not a price set by Satan, it's a price set by God. And so it, it gets into the same idea as substitution. I want to look at a couple of New Testament verses. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 Ray, do you want to read Galatians three thirteen? And if it's in the middle of a sentence, as I typically do, you can pick off another verse and make it understandable. What's that? Um, are you in Galatians 3? Yeah, that doesn't look like Galatians 3. Oh, I said 3.13. I'm sorry. If I said 18, that's my bad. Okay, so, so here redemption is <coughs> excuse me, connected to this idea of wrath punishment. Right? He receives this curse and he says uh, to redeem us from the curse of the law. There's this balance. The law has a requirement and, and I've violated it. I'm out of balance. And so, so Christ's death does this redeeming. It does this bringing back into the equation. And balances the book, so to speak. Um, Titus two thirteen and fourteen. Okay, do you want to read that? Titus two thirteen and fourteen. Titus chapter 2, verse 13 and 14.
Yep. Okay, so, so now we, we see we go back and we see this connection to to sin. Uh, and, and the Bible says, I've sold myself to sin. I didn't sell myself to Satan, I sold myself to sin. Like I'm 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 under sin and and the part of God ransoming and pulling me back is getting me back from this this owner that has me. And and the price, of course, is set by God. That's, that that price was death. Uh, like, like imagine, uh, I've heard the the story, the illustration. Imagine if you went in and uh, you went into a store, and and uh, this guy is, is uh, I have all these nice things for you, and he's like, uh, how much is this? Uh, how much is this murder? Or how much is this lie? And if every if the price tag on every one of them if it said death, like, why would we buy that? You're gonna die. It's it's the price of sin is death, right? And and uh, and he says, well, he's like, but it's got a nice price tag because the guy says you can buy it now and you can pay later. <laughs> you know that that's kind of the the way we've done things. It's like we buy on credit. We think, well, I, I'm not gonna die now, right? That's the first lie. Well, surely you won't die. Now, buy now, pay later. Oh, this is great. This is fun. I can have my fun now. And. And so, so Christ came and he says, I'm, I'm going to pull you back from, from the price you're going to pay. I'm, I'm going to pay that price for you, and, and you get to go free from, from, that, from that debt. Uh, and then the last one, Sheila, do you want to uh, read Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14? Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. For he has rescued us from the dungeon dominion of the darkness and brought us into the, king, in the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption for the forgiveness of sins okay so, so again this idea of redemption uh, and there's always bringing something from somewhere from some type of domain some area uh, and putting us where we're supposed to be at this, this leveling effect that that Christ's blood has, and here it is to bring us out of a, a domain of darkness to, and, and to put us into his kingdom of light. And that's, that's the intent of Christ's blood, to be a satisfaction of things so that I can be moved from, I'm like, I'm, I'm sitting in the pawn shop. Right? I, I pawned myself, and I'm sitting there. And I don't have the money to pay. I'm like that. I'm like, you go back to the Old Testament. I'm like the guy that, that pawned, and he doesn't have any money to get himself out of debt. What, what is he going to do? What, he doesn't have the money. So he's in debtor's prison until forever, until the day of Jubilee or whatever. Well, I'm like that guy. And so I need a near kinsman who's got the access to the wealth to get me out of that situation and can bring me back to where I'm supposed to be. And that's the financial transaction or the comparison to the financial transaction. That's why this word uh, ransom and redemption, these words are so, uh, 
that's not necessarily their original intent, but they're they're really perfect in in, in summarizing at least in, in in as good we can do with human language the things that that Christ does. These are all metaphors that God uses to try to illustrate the work that Christ does through dying. So, any thoughts before we close? I think we get the same problem today as what the Israelites had before. They thought they were the chosen people, so they didn't need Christ. Mm -hmm. Because they've been called the chosen people for so long. Yeah. And I think we think the same thing. If you go to church every Sunday, if you do good things, if you say good things, whatever, we're good people, we're going to make it to heaven. You take the Christ thing right out of it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why it's, it's so resounding. It has to be through Christ. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it doesn't work. And it's not just, and if it wouldn't have been that way, you couldn't have had the whole world. It would just been the chosen people. Yeah. You know? So it seems to me that it's just repeat of history again, you know, because we look at religion instead of looking at Christ. Right. You know, and I think that's why it's got to be repeated so many times that if you don't focus on Christ and Christ's not there, you don't have an avenue back to God. Mm-hmm. <coughs> yeah. Okay, so we're going to turn towards the resurrection next week for the next several weeks. So. All right. Dismissed.